Hi, I'm Julie. I'm Laura. We're longtime friends who know a good year at Real Talk can solve almost anything. And we're transferring our skills and experiences to our new coaching practice. Whether you're making a big decision, exploring a new path, planning a project, or you just want to learn how coaching might help you, join us for our conversations on Coaching Through It. Liz Cruz is a queer leadership coach who works with folks who want to grow their emotional intelligence skills and hone their authentic leadership style, fully integrating identities, values, and experiences. Liz's coaching approach is informed by her deeply held belief that each of us is inherently brilliant and that we're already holding the solutions we're looking for. Her process begins with exploring the client's emotional intelligence strengths and how to best bring them to bear in the challenges at hand. Liz helps her clients to learn about themselves, to investigate their feelings and beliefs, and to build a practice of taking small but powerful actions to create radical change in their leadership. Liz's coaching specialties include LGBTQ leadership development, emotional intelligence, promotion readiness and transition, and inclusive leadership. Prior to coaching full-time, Liz spent 10 years in the corporate space, retail and technology, as a coach, leadership development program leader, and organizational effectiveness consultant. Today, Liz offers a wide range of coaching programs and services, from individual coaching to group coaching, workshop facilitation, and team effectiveness consulting. Welcome to the pod, Liz. We're so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here with you. Liz, I would love to start with a non-coaching related question that gives us some insight to your personality. What is the favorite part of your garden this week? Ooh, this week, it is the dahlias that are finally opening. I've been waiting and watching them all summer. And I think it's a real object lesson because I have run out of patience so many times and then thought there's literally nothing I can do except wait and just keep making sure they get enough water. And this week they are happening and it's so cool. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. We should include for folks who might not be familiar with Dahlia. So I think it is a very Northwest flower. <laughs> New type of show notes, Laura, a link to an <laughs> Google images of Dahlia's. <laughs> Julie is just trying to make me work, you know, in post-production. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I love that. It kind of makes sense that you are into gardening, Liz, from what I know of you. You're a very good cultivator of things in your world of work. And I wouldn't mind if you shared with our listeners, uh, how'd you get into this coaching practice? Yeah. Well, the the long story is that first for about 15 years, I thought I would end up being a therapist. Yeah. Uh, then I went to therapy and I thought, this is a lot. I don't, I don't think this is what I want to, I don't think this is how I want to hold space for people. Um, and I was doing a lot of, uh, leadership development work. So, so beyond coaching, I think of myself as a, as a facilitator, as a leadership development practitioner, as a a team effectiveness consultant. Uh, And so it's doing a lot of that work, which of course has elements of coaching woven throughout. And one day my leader said to me, I, I was replaying a conversation and she said, those are really good coaching questions you were asking. And that was, that was it. That was the spark. That's like all it took to light this fire uh, and a lot of curiosity about well, what, what is coaching and is there a job where I can just be with people and ask them these kinds of questions and watch them, watch them unfold. And it turns out there is. So that's how I came to coaching 
Uh, and then I just very much like my dahlias, I just held it like a dream for a very, very long time and um, worked on my skill and waited and waited and waited um, to be ready to be full-time in my coaching work. And Liz, that transition has been pretty recent for you to go full-time in that work. What has been your greatest joy so far? Oh, that's a great question. So it's, yeah, it's been just a couple of months that I've been, that I've been full-time in my business, which has been a a side project for, um, for many years. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to have two joys. The first is taking naps in my hammock because I no longer have a full-time job and a big side hustle. Um, So I'm enjoying the naps. Uh, And the other thing is actually just today, I finished my very first group coaching cohort. Uh, I put together a little group coaching program. I've been meeting with these leaders since early June and we closed out uh, today. So we've been together for just about three months. And as they were going around today and saying what they had learned about themselves, I was I was just blown away, which is my favorite thing about coaching is just being blown away by my clients all the time. And so that's, I think, the coolest part on the on the work side is just watching these clients uh, really take to working on themselves. Fantastic. Because I knew we brought you on because you're fabulous. And I want to talk about group coaching with you because Julie and I have some thoughts and questions. But before you say that, I want to call out, um, you're one of the co- coaches that have a cadre of consulting. So we've talked about, it's funny you brought up therapy, but we thought talked about consulting versus coaching versus therapy versus training. And uh, it sounds like you've kind of woven in, in your practice, uh, different aspects and forms of what looks programmatic, what looks one-to-one. How did you decide that when you're building your coaching kind of uh, portfolio or client portfolio of what you'd offer for people? Yeah, that's a great question. And actually something that I'm still really playing with every networking event I go to where I'm asked to introduce myself, I say something slightly different about what my company is um, because I think about my coaching practice and my consulting work as, as sort of distinct and I am always a coach as I, wherever, wherever we go, there we are, right? So when I'm doing, uh, when I'm facilitating a workshop, when I'm with a consulting client, um, I'm bringing my curiosity, I'm bringing a lot of inquiry, I'm bringing those coaching skills, but I hold that as distinct from having a coaching relationship with someone. And so the coaching the coaching work that i do that is explicitly coaching is where i have the most defined offerings right now the consulting stuff is like you know each other and we know each other and you need some help and so i'm just going to jump in and help you and write a proposal and we'll go from there but the coaching work i've actually spent a long a lot of time over the past few years building out my coaching offerings. I think that the journey I've been on around building out my coaching packages is similar to what a lot of coaches do. I started offering a lot of sessions for not very much money. um, And then over time, have really refined um, how can I create a lot of value for my clients? How can they get a lot of bang for their buck um, with 
fewer face like fewer face to face hours um, for that same amount of money. Or if we're doing more face to face hours, it's a it's a higher priced package. And so for for a long time, I just really had to keep pushing myself to raise my rates and raise my rates until I till I felt like I was at a, something that was feasible for me and that my clients would get a lot out of. Um, and so some of that has been just kind of right-sizing like what's included in a coaching package. And some of it has been offering... One of the reasons I really wanted this group program is that my focus is working with queer leaders. And because my practice is already focused on equity, it's really important to me to create equity and create access to coaching without compromising my own ability to be paid well. And so the group simultaneously gives people access to community and doing this work in community, but it also um, gives me an opportunity to offer some name your price seats to um, take maybe a person who really needs that work, but has no resources to put toward it. Uh, it gives me a space to to kind of work with more of a range of folks. And so that's kind of how I've thought about my packaging is really what do my clients need and how do I how do I create the right value for different types of clients? I love that you said that because I think as we think about uh, coaching practice, it is a paid thing. So sometimes coaches like, what my value is this and how can I put a dollar sign on it? Well, you have to if you're going to have a business. And it's also, it is a valuable side of learning that people don't think about because it's very individualized and personalized. And I love the idea of equity being put into that pricing model. And I recently had a, a client say, can I like leave a, a coffee or a pint on the wall for someone else? Like, can I pay it forward of a three session package? And I was like, well, I'm also building that into like you, my price packages so I can have my full t- paid clients could subsidize some of those who can't. And how else can we offer like mini scholarships or outreach to people who wouldn't probably take any advantage of it, especially if they're from a different affinity group or identity group when they're like, I can't afford coaching. What That's not for me because I've been priced out of it automatically. So do you signal that in any of kind of your marketing or branding or how do you, how do you share that with folks? Yeah, I so I have a page on my website where I talk about my group offering and uh it's just there on the I go back and forth between whether I host an interest list sign up or a registration depending on where I am in the in my recruitment process. Uh but it's just right there on the on the page that every cohort uh has a handful of name your price seats um to create equity for community um uh, because that's a value of mine. So I'm just pretty explicit about it. Um and I'll sometimes reach out to people, you know, if I see someone on LinkedIn who's like feeling really lost, trying to figure out what they're doing next in their career, feeling, you know, people get pretty vulnerable on LinkedIn, which is great. Um, Cause it gives me a chance sometimes to reach out and say, Hey, I saw your post. I've got this program. Would this be useful to you? Um, I'd love to have you. And I am happy to offer you a name your price seat. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I think it's, I try to be pretty explicit about that. Um, Especially because I think sometimes when people 
when people take me up on that, when folks access that name your price seat, sometimes they'll express feeling guilty, feeling shame, feeling some kind of way about, you know, someone told me the other day, they felt weird about being the name your price person. Um, And that gave us a chance to have a conversation about like, that's not who you are, right? You aren't, you're not the name your price person. You're, you're using a seat in this cohort. You are, you are, your body is in that seat and you need to be here. And that's for a reason. And I'm just exactly what you said, Laura, I'm structuring my fees. I'm structuring my offerings. I'm structuring the financial realm of my business in a way that is values aligned for me and includes both the value of showing up for my community and the value of um, appreciating my own work and uh, and paying myself well for what I do. Liz, um, I'm wondering, we've talked with a range of coaches in terms of experience. And as a new coach myself, I think about the idea of flow, right? When I'm in a session and sometimes it goes really well and it feels really easy to connect with a client and other times uh, it's a bit rockier. And I think uh, we've had conversations with folks about how that's related to like, who are you coaching, right? Or, or, or what would you like to coach around? And how, what was your journey um, to get to like, I'm coaching queer leaders as part of your business? Yeah. Um, you know, I thought, so the whole time I, I, the coaching program I went through was uh, about a year. I took a little bit longer to, to finish it, but um uh, it was a number of in-person modules kind of spread throughout the year. And over the course of that year, I spent a lot of time thinking about what my what my eventual business would be. And um, I thought, you know, I sort of went in thinking like, oh, do like life coaching. Um, and then pretty reali- pretty quickly realized that that didn't feel quite like especially wanting to focus on the queer community that didn't feel specific enough because there are so many things we could talk about. Um, And then, you know, I'm a lifelong artist. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll do some kind of creative coaching. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do uh, work for performance artists and, uh, and build something in that realm. And then in the meantime, I was coaching leaders in my full-time job. It was doing a lot of leadership development, a lot of a lot of leadership coaching. And actually, one of the things that tipped me over into realizing it's queer leaders was that I was doing my practice hours and working with a lot of people from community. And I had someone reach out to me and say, do you do executive coaching? I just got this executive director job and I need some help figuring out how to be effective as I move into this next level of leadership. And that was everything I was doing in my day job was helping people, you know, transition into a, into a new promotion. And so I worked with that client and just absolutely fell in love. And, and that was it. There was no going back from there. It was very clear to me that I needed to be bringing all of the privilege of many years of access to leadership development in the corporate space and all of the tools and resources that are available there. It was just very clear that I needed to be bringing all of that to my community because a lot of us don't necessarily have access to that work. 
I think about uh, conversations we've had and, and knowing the work of helping folks who are minoritized or marginalized into a leadership space. And I'm wondering what, how you found that term resonates with the queer community. Leadership? Yeah, like the notion of like a queer leader, queer leader coaching cohort, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I think we have, when I say we, I mean my clients and I together, I think of us as a, as a little community. I think we have more questions than answers about mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, I have a, I have a little statement on my website about what do I mean when I say queer leader? Um, because what I mean is any queer person who's leading anything. And I don't care if you're leading yourself, if you're leading a team of people at work, a project, a community initiative, your family leadership just means you're showing up and working actively to affect change in some way. And so that really can be anything. It doesn't have to be a specific level. It doesn't have to be a specific role. One of the ways that I ask people to participate in my group program is in the Slack channel between our our group conversations, uh, between our live conversations, we want to keep, keep things going. And so I'll tag in a couple of people and just say, hey, will you be a leader over the next couple of weeks and ask a question or jumpstart a conversation or share something vulnerable, however you want to show up as a leader within this community. Um, And I think that I think there are a lot of different ways we can access leadership. But I do think, especially in the in the corporate space, although I see this in nonprofit world, too. Um, that leadership can be so gatekept um, that there's so there's so much limitation around it that that for a lot of my clients that is part of the conversation is what does it mean to see yourself as a leader? Julie, that was a good question. Very coachy of you. It was a really um, good question. Yeah, no, because I think it's asking like what does it mean to you is always one of our favorite. Like define that for you and are you defining it a different way? Um, but as you start talking about Slack, I'm like, I want to know more about this group coaching. Mm-hmm. What else do you like scaffold around this cohort that you just uh, sent off into the world now? Like, what else do you do with them? Like, tell me about your ways. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's a really interesting day for that question because there's so much happening in my head about it. Um, so the program as it's structured right now, uh, we start with an emotional intelligence assessment and I use that same assessment with every single one-on-one client. Um, And I use it actually in a lot of my work with teams too. Um, So we start with that assessment, we debrief it together, and then we have six regular coaching sessions uh, every other week. So we meet for about three months total. And in those regular sessions, we're together for an hour and a half and we're diving into one specific uh, aspect of emotional intelligence and really exploring it deeply. Uh, at the same time, exploring sort of what are the leadership challenges of the moment? What's going on for you this week or in, or over the next couple of weeks that you really need to talk about? Uh, and so we're exploring together. And then we have some conversation going in between and they're doing homework in between sessions. It's a lot of reflective work. And it's an interesting question about the the sort of scaffolding of like, how do they get sent out into the world? Because the group I closed out with today, when I asked them what they wanted to to talk about today, one of the things was, 
how do we continue this work? And he said, let's clarify. Do you mean, how do you individually continue this work or how do we all keep working together? And they said, yeah, how do we all keep working together? I don't know that it's actually done. This first cohort effectively told me today that they were not finished. So I'll have to create something something new for them. Uh, And I told them we could keep going, but they have to be my beta testers. So, um, so I, you know, I think something that is really exciting to me about this program is it's a place where I get to be collaborative with my clients. I get to be responsive to them and to what they're needing and, and what's going on. Um, and I think everybody will have a different path. You know, I, I see people going from the group program into one-on-one coaching or f- the group program into a dream that I have for this programming is that we eventually create some sort of community where people are, maybe it's more of a membership model. So it, these are some of the things that like now that I can be in my business full-time, I'm like, okay, what? Are, how does this all fit together and what are the offerings and how do I keep providing value to people longer term. Um, But for now, the program is like a seemingly tidy three months of really exploring emotional intelligence, building radical leadership confidence, uh, working on whatever your development priorities are in community with other badass queer leaders. Liz, what were some of the barriers you had as you started your coaching practice? Well, for a long time, it, for a long time, it was money. And, you know, I talked a little bit about that journey of like, really, really having to learn like what I actually can charge and what, what my coaching is actually worth. But for the longest time, I really believed that in order to leave my corporate job and all of the benefits and the salary and everything that went with that corporate job, what I needed to do was be ready to be okay making less money. I needed to be ready to downshift my budget. I needed to be ready to cut back. And, and really, as I, as I got closer and closer and closer to leaving my job, what, what was shifting for me uh, in my work was realizing, no, I don't think that's true, actually. I think I can, I think I can go make just as much, if not more, money. And, and if I can't, then I need to think about the business differently. Right. I need to create a business. If I can create anything I want, then I want to create something that feels like a promotion. Right. And doesn't feel like I have to downgrade. So that was one thing that was a barrier for a long time for me. And then actually, and I'm so grateful for this barrier because I think it, I think it brought me to exactly where I am today. But in 2019, Uh, I had some big family stuff and needed to be a relatively full-time caregiver for, uh, for a period. And at that same time, I had just been promoted in my job. I was delivering a couple of really big projects and I burned myself out. And when I say I burned out, I, I just burned myself completely out. I was on the train home from work one day, listening to a podcast by a coach and she was talking about burnout. And I thought maybe she'll tell me something on this 30 minute train ride home that will fix me. And then I can get back to my life. And she said, you know, if you're, if you're starting to feel burned out, you have to stop and you have to take care of yourself because if you don't, you'll get to a point where the only option is to go to the hospital and lay down. And I remember hearing that and thinking, is that an option? 
could I just, <laughs> could I just go to the hospital? No, nobody told me that's an option. <laughs> and that, and in that moment I thought, okay, something is, something is deeply wrong here. And so I, I have spent a long time, the, the road to recovery from that kind of burnout is long and it is arduous. And, uh, you know, I got to a point in that recovery where I kind of realized, I don't think that I am ever going to be totally recovered uh, as long as I'm in my corporate job and without really learning how to live differently, live in a completely different way. And so one of the things was that I had to do in that time period was actually just pump the brakes on doing anything to build my business. I had to just stop thinking about my website, thinking about my, you know, thinking about how I was going to find clients, thinking about marketing, thinking about my path to quitting my job, you know, and then of course, of course, 2020 happened and I had some more personal life stuff uh, that took a lot of my energy in 2020. And so what I've really learned over the couple of years leading up to leaving my job and focusing full-time has really been that the one way I cannot build my business is hustle. And everything I know about how to make something happen and how to build something is hustle. That's been, I don't know that it's been a barrier, but it's been a really important part of my journey to, to just like, in some ways, like go all the way back to the beginning and just relearn how to do life and unlearn that hustle culture. Because if you try to build your business that way, it will kill you. Well, dear train commuter and or virtual walker fake commuter, (laughs) that's your lesson. Ain't no hustle in the hustle. Right. What advice would you give your past self as a coach? Because we often want to know, and we've been thinking about our past selves when we started coaching. What would you say to your early coach self? Charge more money. (laughs) (laughs) Just charge more now. Just charge more now. Like really, really think about like, you know, if you have a full-time job, you can kind of think about like, well, what do you, you know, what do you make in your full-time job if you were to break that down to hourly? And then like, double that, right? Because because when when it's your practice, um, y- you really only get about half of it anyway, because there's so many other things that that money has to go to. Um, it, you know, and I, and I think that really that like char- charge more for your coaching is, is actually like be more brave, be, be bold. Um, and something that has shifted actually as I've started charging more money is that my coaching style has really shifted and I've gotten a, just a bit more a bit more direct a bit more willing to push a bit more not not quite so squishy right I think when I was a when I was like a really brand new coach when I was doing just learning and practicing it was very hard for me to interrupt my clients if they you know if they went on for a long time um if they if they sort of like wandered um or if they were really struggling to tell me something i would just allow more of that and i think now having this like i know that what i'm charging is what i'm worth and i also know that it is a significant commitment that my clients are making for their own growth and so 
I have to be more direct with them, right? I have to be willing to like ask kind of tougher questions sometimes. So I, I don't know that I would change any of that journey, but I think I would just go back to myself and say, you'll figure out how to be tougher. You'll figure out how to charge more, but just don't worry about that stuff so much. Just get with it. Um, on the theme of questions, what are some of your favorite or off favorite go-to coaching question? Uh, so one, one that I will pull out all the time is, um, where else are you feeling this right now? Or well, where else is this showing up in your life? Um, and I'll kind of pull that out when, when it feels like we've reached some kind of conclusion, we've reached some kind of moment. My clients had a great insight about themselves. Maybe they've even like decided on an action they're going to take. And it's just that, like, let's just push this over the edge a little bit. Like, tell me, tell me where else. And it's always showing up somewhere else, whatever it is. Can I ask a follow-up to that? Um, Do you ask it like, besides their life, do you ask like, where is it showing up in their body? Like, is that part of that or, um, you know, so, so a sort of adjacent question, um, and I'll ask this one of most clients in almost every session at some point or another, again, because we're working on emotional intelligence and so many, you know, one really important aspect of EQ of course is emotional self-awareness. And so it's at one point or another, I will pretty much always ask, what are you feeling right now? And, and sometimes people will have kind of a hard time, like they won't really know. And I'll do a little bit of that, like, okay, let's, let's tap into that somatic, like where in your body, if they're, if they're kind of at the beginning, sometimes, I mean, sometimes we'll like pull out a feelings wheel. If somebody's like, really, I don't know what I'm feeling. Then we'll go to like, okay, here are all, the, here are all of these possible words, pick one about what you're feeling. So yeah, I think to me, like where where else is this showing up right now is um, you know someone's recognized about themselves that, gosh, I'm you know really uh, really tentative to speak up. It's hard for me to be assertive. It's hard for me to get my voice into the room in a meeting with senior leadership. Uh, I just I feel hesitant to do that. And we'll maybe kind of root cause that a little bit. And if if that root cause is like, I, I don't believe my own ideas, hmm. then a really great question is, okay, where else in your life are you struggling to believe your own ideas? That's a great and example. That, yeah, that always goes someplace interesting. And also um, a question that we would never have to ask ourselves because we're big mouths. So that's good. That's a great reminder. Yes. And then, uh, and then the other one that I'm really loving lately, and this is another, like, it feels like a really brave question and, and, um, meaning that I have to be really brave to ask it. Um, but I'll sometimes like, if I, if I can, if I sense that there's something under the surface right now, I will just say, what is it that you're not willing to say out loud right now? I can think of 87 situations where I would not want to hear the answer to that question. (laughs) Well, I always want to hear the answer to that question because it's not my stuff that I don't, you know, I just hope nobody asks me that. um, That's great. (laughs) You know, that can be really helpful if, you know, because we, as human beings, we, um, we're squirrely, right? We're always trying to keep ourselves safe, even in a situation where, you know, we're sitting with 
We're sitting with our coach. We're sitting with our trusted confidant. I know this person's not going to judge me. I know that this person is here for my best interests. I know that they're going to honor whatever I say. And I am still terrified to say out loud that I think this relationship is over. I don't want to be in this situation anymore. Once we say those things out loud, there's no going back. Right. And so, and so that question I find often will just kind of put a client right up against, you know, and then they decide whether they answer that or don't answer it or how, how bravely they answer it. But um, I, you can kind of, I'll kind of watch when I ask that question, it kind of puts somebody right up against their own stuff. Gets them out of their head and the swirls, like you said. I like you call it squirreling. I, I had a couple of clients. That's a good one. I'm going to pocket for later because I have a couple that were like, are hesitant to almost say it, although they feel safe. They're just like, but if I say it, then it's real. Yeah. Like, if folks are interested in learning more about the cohort, kind of what is your timeline for your next queer leaders group coaching cohort? Yeah. So folks can always find me and all of my stuff on my website. And I think I'll just be in your show notes. Yeah, perfect. Um, uh, So folks can find me on my website and my group cohort. Right now, I've got an interest list open for a cohort to start late October. We haven't finalized a date yet, but once I get critical mass on that list, then we'll schedule a date. So if folks are interested in knowing more, the best thing to do would be go to my website, sign up on the interest list. It's no commitment. It just gives me a sense of, how many people are ready uh, to do that work and to find time for a cohort. So come and join and you can see all of my, uh, my one-on-one work there too. And, uh, and I think for anybody who's like, I'm, you know, I'm curious and want to talk about queer leadership work and I don't know what's right. We can just jump on the phone and spend a few minutes and talk, you know, talk through it and figure out, figure it out together. Liz, we are so grateful. Like I've learned so much. Like this is really self-serving for us, Julia, to keep learning on the podcast with other fantastic coaches, I think. Yeah. It was so nice. It was nice. Well, I am so grateful because I spend a lot of time with my clients. I don't get to talk to other coaches very often <laughs> or not as often as I like. So come back anytime. You got a hot topic? Come right. on back. We welcome okay. you. Great. I will take you up on that. I do not need to be a weekly guest on your podcast, but I will, I will be texting you with, uh, with things to talk about. Perfect. We welcome you back anytime. Yes. Be sure to listen to the next episode by subscribing to our podcast. We always welcome comments and questions. Send us an email at coaching through it at gmail.com. Until then we'll be figuring it out on coaching through it.